You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. So we've been talking about uh, grace, and today I'm going to talk about grace and glory. Everybody say grace and glory. Well, we know what grace is, so let me explain to you what glory is, because glory is a heavenly material. You know, one day we're all going to glory. Why do they call heaven glory? Because glory is what heaven is. So we give glory to God, but glory is also a substance. Glory is the manifest presence of God. Everybody say glory. I, 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 you know, most of you who um, watch, you know, Christian TV, you've heard of Billy Bram. Anybody ever heard of Billy Bram? Uh, she's a lot with Gloria Copeland. They used to do it together. So Gloria is the one that sits there and Billy does all the talking. Uh, Gloria and, uh, and Billy. And so, but I remember one time because uh, uh, um, glory is a subject that if you've been around here a while, uh, I love to minister on the glory of God. I was destined to see the glory of God. What I mean by that, I was destined to see the manifest presence of God. And so were you because you've arrived at the last days. Come on, don't get all upset about the last days, the wars, the rumors of the wars and plagues. You've arrived at the greatest time of the church. Hallelujah. You were appointed to be here, Esther man and Esther woman. You were appointed for such a time as this. And God chose you to be right at the end when the harvest is plenteous, when the glory of God. Come on, what's he coming for? He's coming for a glorious church. He's not coming for a weak, wimpy, wimpy, hiding in, in, you know, in caves church. He's coming for a glorious church. That's us. Everybody say, I am part of the glorious church. Are you going to help me this morning? Are you going to help me this morning? I get excited about the glory. I need you to get excited with me. And and so she would say this. She said, you get what you say. Talking about Billy Brim. She said, you get, how many of you believe you get what you say? So she says, so I say Glory. So I say glory. And so I just picked it up in my life. And a lot of times when something good goes, I just say glory. Amen. I, I, I say glory all the time. Why? Because I expect to see the glory of God. I expect to see the glory of God. So we've been talking about grace. So there's all kinds of grace. Grace is the power of God. So we've talked about saving grace. Are you glad you've been saved? You've been saved by grace. That is God. Grace offers everything that you need. Grace is not anything you can earn. Grace, God is the one who decided to save you. When you were altogether unlovely, when you were a sinner, when you weren't thinking about God, all those many years ago, when Jesus came to the earth as a baby in a manger, when he hung on a cross, when he grew up, went about doing good, then he hung on a cross, he decided to become sin. No man took his life, but he freely gave it. He, he, this, his body, he said, was fashioned to be a sacrifice. He's the lamb of God, the perfect lamb, sacrificer. That's grace. That's saving grace. He offered you salvation. Are you glad that you're born again? And when you leave this earth, you're going to heaven. But as soon as you got born again, eternal life began. Eternal life doesn't begin when you get to heaven. Eternal life began for you. You know, talking about God's side of eternal life, when you got born again. All the good stuff. But but when you got saved, it didn't just include you making heaven and missing hell. It included healing for your body. 
Come on. He healed you. He saved you. He delivered you. He protects you. Uh, He causes you to do well. That's all included in salvation. How did you receive that saving grace? It is by grace through faith. People ask this in this time, you know, maybe not so much these days, but a few years ago, they asked, I had people ask me, are you a grace church or a faith church? And the answer is absolutely yes. Because if faith has to get something, and what does it get? Everything that God has offered. That's the grace side of things. But if there's just, all you hear is what God offers and you don't know how to receive it. Because that's what your faith does. It receives what the Lord has already done. Amen. That's what faith does. So we talked about saving. Are you glad you're saved? By grace, through faith. Amen. Then we talked about, uh, uh, we've talked over and over again about standing grace. That grace that comes upon you to resist the devil. Then we've talked about serving grace. And we're really happy about serving grace this day, aren't we? No, I don't know. You're not there yet. I can't, I'm going to keep confessing it over you. Hallelujah. I love to serve God. I love to, I am grace to serve God. He says, sure you are. You're a preacher. No, I'm talking to you. I don't know why y'all get so weak on that. Don't frustrate the grace of God on your life. Don't frustrate it. Everybody say, I have grace to serve. See, that's just just as much about it. You have serving grace. And every one of you are destined in your mother's womb. Prearranged a good life for you to do something for the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know you're going to be judged for it, so you might as well get after it. Amen. You're going to say, everybody's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to ask you, did you do what I told you? You say, well, I didn't know you told me to do nothing. That's not, that's not going to fly. Because there's something for you to do. You're a body part. Amen. You're a body. Even if you, my little toe has a purpose. I think it helps, keeps me somewhat steady. My two kidneys. I'm glad I got two. My two lungs, I'm glad I got them both. Amen? Every part of my physical body, God made to function. Amen? You are meant to bring increase to the body of Christ. Come on, everybody say, I have grace to serve. Amen. And then we talked about grace to be rich. Hallelujah. And we're not scared of that word, just like Pastor Robert said. We are blessed to be a blessing. But what again with that, I, I say it this way. I tithe and I give as a corresponding action to what grace has done. Remember in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he became poor that we could become rich. So there's grace is so much to it. But I want to get to this because... Um, um, I really, before I'd never really associated these two when I, cause I've been teaching on the glory for almost 33 years. Um, I, I love to talk about the presence of God. Um, I was born to talk about the presence of God. Um, it's part of my destiny to experience the presence of God. And since you're here, you see around here, um, it's not just word only, but we're like the apostle Paul. I came to you not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but with a demonstration of power. When God called me to the ministry, he said to me, and I really didn't know him that well, but I knew enough. It wasn't an audible voice, but I couldn't, I, I, it was a voice. And I later knew it was just the voice of the Spirit of God. It wasn't audible, but it was very loud to me. And he said to me, turn to Mark 16, 20. It's like, oh, well, that can't be the devil. He's not going to tell you to turn to anywhere. 
This must be, this must be good. And then I read it, and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. He said, and they went forth everywhere and preached his word. And he told me, that's you. And he confirmed the word. So it's not just about a bunch of thoughts. This word is alive. This word works. This word brings the power of God. This is not religion. We're in a relationship with the living God who actually does stuff. Remember those, uh, back in the old days, I heard about them, the, the traveling salesman with a certain vacuum. What, what, I don't remember, what was it? What? Oh, lots of them. Okay, Kirby, Delexa, I don't. So they would come, and I heard that they would, to, to demonstrate, before you could say no, they poured a bunch of dirt on your carpet or whatever. And then their product had to work. But they, they did that on purpose to show you that it works. God is not against showing everybody who he is. And one of the things he is is good. And so everybody say grace and glory. And so I want you to remember grace, and I want you to see glory, but we're going to marry them together today. And so I'm going to run through some scripture just to introduce it. Psalms 84.11 says this. Psalms 84.11, and I mostly do the King James. For the Lord God is the sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. The Lord will give grace and glory. Everybody say, I receive grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And so to me, that means it might be connected with grace and glory. John chapter 1, verse 14, talking about Jesus. And the word was made flesh. Are you glad? And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, when you see, when you saw Jesus, the word, the word made flesh, what happened? It was full. He was full of grace and truth. The word of God is truth, but the word of God is full of grace, full of everything that God offers you that you can't pay for, that Jesus already paid for. All you got to do is receive it by faith. So the word of God says that Jesus, we beheld him and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, and he was full of grace and truth. And then I want you to look at Exodus 33. I know a number of weeks ago I mentioned this. Um, I've, I preached off this so many times as I talk about the glory of God, but this is the account in Exodus Exodus 33, remember when uh, um, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. So verse, uh, uh, talking about God's uh, presence, um, uh, Moses and the Lord are kind of arguing. Remember the Lord said, these are a bunch of stiff-necked people. And he said, I'm not going. You go, but I'm staying. And so Moses was like, uh, I don't think so. Um, and verse 12, what does the start of verse 12? Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you said to me, bring up this people. And you has not let me know whom you will send with me. Who are you sending with me? You have said, I know thee by name. In other words, you told me, God, we're friends. You know my name. And you have, uh, and you told me that I found grace in your sight. Have you all found grace in God's sight? We did it because we found grace because of Jesus. 
But Moses did it. They, they have this relationship. They've been working together. He brought all the children of out. God sent him in. He wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, the Lord worked with, aren't you glad the Lord works with us? Amen. And then we're to a place where we got to go possess it. And, and God is like, um, uh, you know, he, he, he's like, I don't, I'm not going. And Moses said, well, he's going to sin. And, and verse 13 says, now, therefore, I pray thee, if I found grace. In- interesting. He keeps mentioning the word grace. So it's not just a New Testament word. It's an Old Testament word, too. In other words, here in the Old Testament, it means favor. Have I found favor? How many of you know in, in Jesus, Jesus had favor with God and favor with man? Because you and you have, because you're in him, you have favor with God. Come on, I have favor with God. I'm not out of favor with God. I have favor with God because of what Jesus did. It's not, it's not about me, it's about what Jesus did. I have favor with God. I have favor with God because I found grace in his sight. Do you have favor with God? Come on, say it. I have favor with God. Why? Because you found grace in his sight. Because you're in Christ. The favor of God was on Jesus. And he had favor with God. He had favor with people. So here's Moses. And uh, they're chatting. And he said, now there I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now the way that I may know thee. That I might find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your present doesn't go with me, I ain't going. We need to get there. So we need to get there. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are now the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of Covenant just means gathered presence of God. God chose to live in you. He no longer chose to live in things made by men's hand, but he decided to live in you. Now you hold on to that because you are the carrier of the glory of God. You are the carrier. You're the tabernacle of the carrier of God. And he said, if your presence doesn't go, uh, don't, we're not, we don't want to go. Verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and your people have found grace in your sight, if it is not that you go with us. So shall we be separated, and if your people, uh, and, and I and your people from all the people that are on the planet of the earth. How is there going to be a distinction in the last days between us and everybody else? The church for so long has tried to be like the world, to get the world. In order to get the world, we got to be different. we got to be different. Maybe some holiness is in order. Maybe some righteousness is in order. Maybe some separation, some sanctification. Acting like God. Him, okay, hallelujah. And he said, um, for, uh, he said, the Lord said to Moses, verse 17, I will do this thing. I will do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight. Come on, say it with confidence. I have found grace in his sight. And he said, and I know your name. Does God know your name? Does God know your name? God knows the name of every person on planet earth. I can't remember all your names sometimes, but God knows 7.5 billion people's names. And when you see me help a brother out, if, I, if I'm struggling, remind me. No longer how, no matter how long you've been to church here. All right. I'm learning. I'm, I'm progressing. Hallelujah. And he said, I will make, and he said, um, okay, verse four, I found grace in your sight and I'll, I know your name. And he said, I beseech you, since we got that taken care of, I want more. 
Since we got that text, since I know you're going because I found grace in your sight. Your presence goes with us because we weren't going without your presence. You say you're going. Now, since I've, that's, he's, so he's worked himself up to this. He said, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. Come on. Is his presence with you? Lord, show us your glory. And he said, I'll make, this is what the Lord said. I'll make all my goodness. He said, well, that's not what he asked for. He asked for the glory. The goodness of God is the glory of God. The goodness of God in manifestation is the glory of God in manifestation. The goodness of God, the good, the Lord is good. I don't know why everybody wants to argue that sometimes he's not. No, Jesus figured it out for us forever. The devil steals, kills, and destroys. But he said, I've come that you can have an abundant life. Come on, everybody shout, the Lord is good. The Lord is so good. He's gooder than you think he is. And I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I'll be great. There it is again. And I'll be gracious. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. And I'll show mercy on whom. Come on, where there's the glory, there's goodness. And there's mercy. There's God's grace and manifestation. Come on, what are we heading into? We're heading into the glory days. Like Deuteronomy says, days of heaven upon the earth, days of heaven upon the earth. I believe it. Don't try to talk me out of it. Days of the last days, pastor, they're scary. Uh, They might be, but in God, in Goshen, hallelujah, in Goshen, everything is working just fine because we're in a covenant with God. He's going to show us his grace. He's going to show us his goodness and he's going to show us his glory. Hallelujah. I'm positive of it. Hallelujah. He said, you can't see my face because no man sees me and lives. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place in me. We have found that place. Forever. There's a place in me. You have to live in Christ today. Like never. There's a place in me. I found that place. There's a place. God said, there's a place in me. You and I have found that place. Because who is that place? Who is that place? (laughs) There's a place in me. And you're going to stand upon a... Who is that rock? He's a cornerstone. It's a good name for a church. Hallelujah. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by that I'll put thee in the cleft of the rock. I have found... I have found it. I'm living in it. I'm seated far above in Christ Jesus. Come on. Everybody say, I found that place. And he said, I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And when I take away my hand, you'll see my back parts, but my face you cannot see. But I'm so grateful today. We can, you know, we, we, you can minister to the Lord face to face. But can you see that? There's grace, the favor of God. His goodness, his mercy, his loving kindness, and glory all go together. What is the glory of God? It is the absolute power of God in demonstration. When the glory of God comes, things change. They were all in unity in one accord. And they were saying, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Then a cloud came. Woo, I sure wish we'd see a cloud today. Well, we, listen to me. You've got something better than a cloud always manifesting. You've got him on the inside of you. Oh, man, I want to hurry up. Because some of you haven't heard this before. Some of you may not understand this. Because, you, you know, sometimes we come at everything from the mental and, and just the things of the spirit should be so much more real to you. You're from another realm. 
You're an alien. You just passing through. Your citizenship is in heaven. Your seat is in glory. Why do I say that? Because you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, let's keep moving. All right, so everybody say grace and glory. All right, so now this is the deal. Now, I, many years, for many years I preached on glory, but I really never saw this part of it. And so I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 10. Now, this part's not as exciting, um, but we're, stay with me because you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Understand what the Lord is saying. It says in uh, 1 Peter 5 and 10. So I want to talk to you about how the glory of God will um, rest more heavily on you and me in the last days. Now, the word of God says some things. Y'all with me? Y'all helping me today, right? Y'all believing for utterance? Because there's more here to see. I know I haven't seen it all. There's more here to see. And, and I want to see some more. It says, but the God, verse 10, but the God of all grace, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory. So the God of all grace, you got saved by grace through faith. Remember, the only way you can access grace is what? Through faith. And the, you, 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 the grace you stand in, you access by faith. The current grace in every area you're walking in, you do it in the proportion of your faith. So your faith receives what grace offers. And so here it says, everybody say grace and glory. By the great, but, the grace, but the grace of God who has called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have. Oh, I know. You don't want to say it. We are word of faith people. We are not saying that. Well, it's here. And that after you have suffered a while, he will make you perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. Perfect, mature, complete, nothing missing, nothing broken. Established, strengthened, and he will settle you. Who's going to do that? The God of all grace. With what? Eternal weight of glory. Glory can be very weighty can be very strong. It's very powerful. It's really up to you and I how much of the glory of God we have in our life and how much we cooperate. Now, now, Pastor Mark, I don't understand this suffering thing because you said we don't have to do that. No, I've never said that. Well, if we believe, then we'll never have any problems. No, you misheard. You don't have to keep your problems. When they come, we've taught you how to get rid of them. Now, let's just stop. Where do your problems come from? Well, it says there that God will send you uh, all these problems to strengthen, settle, and establish you. That is not what it said. That is not what it said. It didn't say that. Readers infer that because it's talking about grace and glory. And then it talks about, uh, uh, what, what was that word? Yeah, see, we don't even like to say it, do we? Suffer. Hebrews, because, well, let's look that word up and make sure it really means suffer. I have tried it so many times 
to make it say something. If, you know, put a little twist on You know, like sometimes people do, like with a Greek or Hebrew, there's some kind of twist in there that doesn't mean suffering. But I've studied it many times, and it just really means suffering. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm not going to leave you there. Hebrews 2.18. For in that, talking about Jesus, he's a faithful, faithful high priest. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted. So he is able to keep them that are being tempted. The suffering comes because you have an enemy. Now, don't raise your hand. We're not going to send the mic around for you to testify. Because one of the things we don't want is to begin to glorify the devil. You know, one of the things about people who are always conscious of the devil, and almost like, plead the blood, plead the blood. We believe in pleading the blood. But if all ever comes out of your mouth is plead the blood, you have too much respect for the devil. Way too much respect for the devil. Are there demons? Well, yeah, but the last time I looked, I had a name that's above them. I was thinking last night when I was meditating on this, and, you know, there's things always going on in my life and stuff. I remember somebody prophesied to Pastor Rodney and I one time. They said, uh, you're going up to new levels, but there are bigger devils. And immediately fear gripped me. Because, you know, I don't really like the ones I dealt with before. <laughs> they were constant and consistent. And so really, honestly, when the person said it, fear did kind of grip me. But I'll never forget it. She doesn't do this very often. But Reverend Opal came up to me and she said, Pastor, remember this. No matter how big they are, you're still seated above them. You're seated above the devil himself. And whether it's a principality, a power, a might, a dominion, your feet is still on top of them. And I'm sitting in the feet of someone. You know, remember God said to, to, the, you know, to the devil, to the snake, he said, uh, you know, there's someone coming. You may bruise his heel. But I like a modern translation said, but you're going to crush, he's going to crush your head. Come on. Everybody say, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus far above, far above. This is the deal. Suffering, because we live on the earth, because we's people. You have an enemy, but you always need to go at it with, yes, there may be some temporary suffering, some temporary problems. But you understand that Jesus himself suffered. So you, because with every temptation, he's made a way of escape. Amen. So if I'm suffering, you know what? Don't become a suffering saint. Let me tell you everything that's going on. You know what? We all got stuff going on. Why don't you tell me what the word says about what you got going on? Why don't you tell me what, that's what it means that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That word overcome is present tense. It's present tense. It's not about giving a testimony of, although it's good to hear what God has done, it means I'm in the middle of a battle and I win because of the blood of Jesus. I, I'm not, the, the fight that I'm fighting is the fight of faith. Amen. And I always win. 
He always causes me to triumph. So yes, suffering comes. And to ignore it is just silly. To pretend like it doesn't exist is silly. There's two ditches. People pretend like there is no devil or pretend that the devil is so big and mighty that you got, you got to be scared of him and talk about him and, and resist him. I mean, just almost work yourself up into a frenzy, afraid of the devil. You can't be afraid of the devil. He's a defeated foe. Use your exercise, your authority. But aren't you grateful that Jesus suffered? And that word suffered means suffer. So you and I are going to go make, things may come our way. And it's not just even about, how many of you know, if you get off into sin, you're opening the door, right? But there's three kinds of storms. I'm never going to get to the end of this. There are three kinds of storms, three kinds in your life. The ones that you create, like Jonah's storm. How many of you know Jonah caused it? But did God deliver him? I mean, he, he lived in the belly of the whale. My goodness, he come out of there all stinky. But he was a, he was a stinky preacher after that. But, but he came out and he obeyed God. Amen? But that was his storm. But the Lord delivered him. Amen? What other storms? Well, there's storms the devil creates. Storms you create and there's storms the devil creates. What is that? They went to the other side. And if you study the word of God, a a sudden storm came up. In other words, it was a demonic storm meant to kill them. So what do you do in those kinds? You know, the first kind of storm, how do you get out of those? You obey the Lord. (laughs) No substitute for obeying. Number two, how do you get out of the kind the devil does? Well, you take your authority. Do you have authority? In the name of Jesus, you command it to be silent. And then I say this one all the time. Um, Then there's another kind of storm. Um, it's this storm that everybody around you creates. You live in this world. You didn't do it. You didn't disobey. You've taken your authority. But other people around you, that was Paul's storm when he got on the ship. He told them it was going to be trouble. But he wasn't in charge. He just had to get on the ship. And so when that comes, how many know the Lord will deliver you out of them all? And, and then you can say when it's done, you should have hearkened unto me. It is scriptural to say I told you so. I would say grace and glory. So yes, you may suffer a while, but let's go back to 1 Peter 5.10, and then we're going to follow it up. It says, uh, but, but the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered a while, will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. But look at verse 9. Go back up one. Whom resist, so it's talking about the devil. So the devil is the one making you suffering. So it says, whom resist steadfast, what? How do you, what are you, what are you supposed to grab a hold of here? Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, but the God of all grace. So here it is again, same as James 4 and 6 and James 4 and 10, is that the, the grace of God is available to resist the devil. But not only that, when you do that, the glory, the power of God shows up on the scene. The God of all grace who has called us into this eternal glory. So when the devil comes to try to make me suffer. Now, I don't know about y'all, But, you know, I think there's a lot of that going around. When the devil comes to make me suffer, if I know how to work with the word, his attempt is to steal, kill, and destroy to get rid of me. But if I know how to work with God and I know how to work with the word, I can turn it around. 
the weight out of gym can crush you or you can use it to build a muscle. It can hurt you or you can turn it around. God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But you have got to, when the devil attacks, has, it, has he ever tried to attack you? In your mind, in your body, in your finances, attack your children, attack your job, attack your career, attack your bit, whatever. Whenever he comes, you're like, uh-uh. What I'm going to do is I'm going to resist you. How? Steadfast in the faith. And when I do that, I'm going to stand in the grace of God. And when I stand in the grace of God, what's going to happen? An eternal weight of glory is coming on me. So that I could be perfect, mature, not wanting anything. I'll be established. I'll be strengthened. And it's all going to get settled. Amen? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. I guess Peter had a few of these things going on in his life, and he knows all about it. 1 Peter 4.12, beloved, who's that? That's you. That's me. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Now, where does the fiery come from? Where does it always come from? How many, how many times does it come from the devil? Every once in a while, though, God will slip one in, right? Never. The fiery darts come from the wicked one. Your shield of faith Everybody, put your shield of faith up. It is able to quench the fiery darts of the devil. So he says here, uh, don't think it's some strange thing is happening to you. What am I saying? Is even if you're doing everything right, the devil's still going to shoot a fiery dart at you. Even if you're doing everything right. So it's not about necessarily, you, you could have done something wrong. It could be somebody else. Or it could be you're doing everything right. Because see, sometimes in our circumstances, like, well, I know I'm doing everything right because the devil's really getting after me. Well, we don't know that. It could be one of those three things. But no matter which one it is, there's always a way out. <laughs> Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is trying to try you as so that some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice. <laughs> but rejoice. Oh, I think I heard somebody in December tell us. But rejoice. <laughs> but rejoice. So when the devil comes, what should you do? Rejoice. When he tells you to quit, what should you do? Rejoice. When he tells you, I'm going to kill you, what should you do? Rejoice. When the devil says he's going to take your business away from you, what should you do? Rejoice. When the devil says you're going to get a divorce, what should you do? Rejoice. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I know. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. The same devil ooh, uh, that came to, because remember, remember what they said. If they would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. No, it says they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. Those words are not in there by mistake. What they found out was when the glorious one rose from the dead, his glory was then dispersed among first the apostles and then 3,000 and then 5,000 and then multitudes and multitudes. And today that glory has been dispersed in this room into each and every one of you. 
But rejoice as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you shall be glad also with exceeding joy. So when the devil comes and you resist him steadfast in the faith, you rejoice a little bit. You rejoice. You're going to take that weight that meant to destroy you, and you're going to start exercising your faith, and you're going to resist him. What's going to happen is glory is going to start showing up. The power is going to start showing up. I've watched people do this for 30 some odd years. When trials or tribulations come their way, they start quitting doing what God has asked them to do. I need a break. I need a break. You don't need a break. What you need to do is tap into the grace to serve. Tap into the grace to stand and do. Don't let the devil get you out of your place. Do not. He cannot make you move. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. Happy are you. Everybody say, I'm happy. For the spirit of glory, for the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. <laughs> Come on, throw your hand up and say glory to God. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, Romans chapter 5, verse 2. We've talked about this in a lot. By whom we have access by faith into this grace where we stand. So it's talking about standing grace in particular, but all grace is accessed by faith. And, re- and what? And rejoice in joyful, confident expectation of the glory of God. So here again, grace and glory. Now this grace is standing grace to resist. What do you need standing grace for? So when the devil tries to come make you suffer, you know, suffering sometimes uh, when you're going through something, uh, you know, uh, it seems like a long time, but guess what? If you will resist the devil steadfast in the faith, he has to flee. He gots to go. He gots to go. It says, uh uh-oh, here we go again. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. What? That is so anti our circle. We glory in tribulations. So when the devil comes to bring something, you're like, ooh, it's time to glorify God. It's It's time to get glory happy. Hallelujah. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Glory to God. I got it. I got it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience works experience, and experience works hope, and hope never makes ashamed because of the love of God that shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Can you see it? Can you see it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Ever say out glory. glory? Come on, shout glory. glory. Woo! Say it like you're Pentecostal. Glory. Hallelujah. 2 <laughs> Corinthians 4 uh, 15. 4 15. For all these things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, be redound to the glory of God. All these things were for your sake. That the, I have abundant grace. 
might through thanksgiving give glory and honor to God, may redound to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Now let's see what this is all talking about. So you got to back up the truck all the way up to verse number five of 2 Corinthians 4. For we preach not ourselves. Isn't that good? I'm tired of hearing about everybody else. I'm tired of singing about myself. I want to sing, I want to sing to him. I, I, anyway, hallelujah. If we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. You know, you become too self-focused. You'll never be God-focused. You think about your, you, you know, thinking about yourself too much is called pride. Anyway, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine on darkness has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of what? The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we have knowledge of the glory of God. In the latter days, the glory, the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like waters cover the sea. What does that mean? Well, a sea can't be a sea unless there's water in it. Otherwise, it's just dry ground. There's a knowledge coming of the glory of God as the body of Christ learns to understand. Yes, the devil's coming at me, but I'm going to resist him. And when I resist him, I'm going to do it with joy and I'm going to rejoice. And when I do that, I'm going to get established. I'm going to get strengthened. I'm going to get settled. And when tribulation comes, that's all right. I'm going to use it to work some stuff in my life. I'm going to use it to work patience. I'm going to work through all those things and then I'm going to get to this hope. And this hope never makes us ashamed and and the glory of God's working in my life. The presence of God. So here it says, but we have this. So it's talking about the glory. Where is the glory? Where is the glory? Where is the glory? I tell this all the time. I was at Bible school. And so right before I went to Bible school, I had an experience with God. I was preaching uh, at a large church in Rio de Janeiro. And we also went to a youth camp, uh, conference. And I saw the manifest glory of God. I really saw it with my eyes. It was amazing. You know, there was, I don't know, a couple thousand teenagers in the room. And there was concrete floor. And everybody began to fall out in the Holy Ghost. No ushers. Power of God was in the room so strong. And I was like, wow, this, it was, and I knew it was the glory. I had nobody to explain it to me, but I saw the glory and I saw God move. And so I wanted to know about the glory. And I remember in Bible school, uh, Brother Hagin had a friend. I, I'm sure this friend is now in heaven because he was old uh, then. And, and so, and I, you know, but I remember if you, some of you heard this before, but some of them haven't. Um, he got up and said, today, the title of my message is The Spout where the glory comes out. And I was so excited because I've been asking the Lord about that glory, how to get under it, how to get it, what I got to do. And he rem- I remember that man preached for an hour and he didn't even mention the word glory. He just rambled for an hour. And I remember getting in my car and I was mad. And I really was, I was mad. I hope you never have to leave here mad. But you know, if you do, okay, pray for me. Hallelujah. But I left mad and I was like, Lord, that man teased me. He told me he was going to tell, he knew where the glory spout was and he didn't tell me. So I'm driving, I think I was driving to work and the Lord said, you're the spout. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to find out where's the place, what I got to do, what I got to say. And he said it again, you're the spout. Third time. Because I was like, No, not me. You have this treasure. What is it? It's the glory. It's the Ark of the Covenant. It's the gathered presence of God. God chose to live in you, you temple, you. Not living in things built by men's hands. You have this treasure. Everybody say, I have a treasure. The glory of God. 
that the excellency of the power may be of God, not you. Isn't that good? But here it is again. Why do we need this glory? We are troubled on every side. <laughs> do you feel like that lately? We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Because see, if you're distressed, you don't believe in the glory in you. We are perplexed. Have you been perplexed? But not in despair. Persecuted, but never forsaken. Cast down, but never destroyed. Come on. Some of you, this is way too old for you. Tells you my age. But there used to be these things called weebles. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Knocked around a little bit. Come on. I'm talking to somebody. Felt knocked around a little bit. But the glory of God's on the inside of you. Power of God's inside of you. If your hope is in him, the glory of God, the very power of God is working things out for you. Let it manifest in your life, not just in a church service, but let that glory manifest in your home. Let that manifest at your business. Let that manifest at your workplace. What is that glory? It brings favor. It brings healing. It brings, it's just the power of God. It's heaven on earth. So it says this, persecuted, not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of God. So yes, he died, but the life of Jesus might be made manifest. The life of Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is even quickening your mortal flesh. For we, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That, so, so what? You know, there's death all around us, but we, and we may be, feel like we've been delivered to it. But listen, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. There's life, the life of God, the Zoe is working on the inside of me. Amen. Amen. All right. I know. I know what time it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians three, two. Second Corinthians. No, no, that's not what I want. 2 Corinthians 4.17. 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Come on, y'all. Everybody say, this will pass. Come on. It's just light. Well, pastor, you don't know. Oh, y'all, we can match stories, but what good is it going to do? It's a light affliction. God calls it a light affliction. What does that mean? Nothing too big for God. Resist steadfast in the faith. Here comes the glory. For our light affliction, for what, which is but a moment, worketh in us a far more exceeding. Everybody say, the exceeding greatness of his eternal glory is heavy on me. Woo! Hallelujah. While we look at things which are seen, but not... But why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. Come on, this is just temporary. This problem's temporary. I said the problem's temporary. 
The problem's temporary. But we're walking in the eternal. Amen. All right. I think I'm going to get her. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. We've talked about this before, but I want you to see it again. Paul. Y'all know who Paul is? Did he write anything? Did he go through anything? A number of years ago, I was having a lot going on, and I was getting a little bit of, this is enough. And I just kind of had a thought of, I wonder what Paul would say to me. And this is what I heard. Toughen up, buttercup. Listen. The more you complain about what the devil's doing, that's like saying sick him to a dog. The more reverence you give for what he does, the more you think about it, the more mention you make of it. Yes, I'm not talking about denying what the devil's doing, but when he's coming, what are you supposed to be doing? Rejoicing. Using your authority. Stand steadfast in the faith. So here's Paul. Does he know a thing or two? Has he seen Jesus? Has the Lord given him revelation after revelation after revelation? Does he know a thing? But then, but right here, he, 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 he's had it. He has had it. I'm talking to somebody in the room. I've been there before. Huh. Had it. Don't feel like you can put one foot in front of the other. The weight is too much. It's too hard. It'd just be easier to give up. And that's where he was. But then he called on the Lord. And how many know the Lord was like, I think the Lord was like, finally, let's talk about this. And um, so he's talking about it. You know, Pastor Rhonda teaches on this tremendously. People call it Paul's thorn in the flesh. But, but we know it was a, a, a demon that was harassing him. You know, everywhere Paul went, he had a revival and a riot at the same time. And all these things. And he said in verse eight, for this thing, I besought the Lord three times that I asked the Lord to get this thing away from me three times. And it's still here. Now, a lot of religious people read this and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. And what do they hear? They only know saving grace. And so they hear, you know what? Just endure. This is part of the human experience, and I, we can't do anything about the devil. And, and you know, a lot of people are, are praying to the Lord. Lord, do something about the devil. Lord, do something about my sickness. Lord, do something about my lack. Lord, do something about my, my life. Lord, do something. Lord, do something. And if you'll listen back, the Lord will say the same thing to you. My grace is sufficient. What does that mean? I've already done it. I've already made it available. He didn't tell him too bad, so sad. Just endure. Because suffering only lasts for a moment. It is not to be your life. You have authority in the name of Jesus. And he said, my grace is sufficient. Everybody say, God's grace is sufficient. And then he said, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So you see, I can't do this on my own. The temptation comes, I can't do this on my own. The sickness comes, I can't do this on my own. The problems come, I can't do this on my own. Because in my own, I am no match for the devil. But I'm not in me anymore. 
I've been given a name that's above every name. I've been given authority. I've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And his grace is sufficient for me. Because what will happen? He said, well, um, he said, most gladly, therefore, I'll glory in my infirmities. What? You all teach us not to do that. I'll glory. Listen, I'm so grateful that when I'm weak, he's strong. I'd rather glory in my affairs that the power of Christ, King James Version, would come upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. In inf- Therefore, I take, what? That's not in there, right? What? I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I am become a fool in glorying. What does that mean? Okay, I see it. When it comes at me, I'm going to resist it steadfast in the faith. When it comes at me, even though in myself I can't do this, I'm not in myself anymore. I'm going to step over into the grace of God. And when, I, and, and, and when the devil's really harassing me, all I need is more faith in the grace. I receive it in, in a greater proportion. And when I, when, I, when I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, that grace comes upon me. And in due season, he will exalt me. And I am seated in heavenly places far above every principality, power, and might. So you know what? When that comes at me, I'm not going to go, oh, no. Instead, I'm going to go, Okay, I got a chance right now to walk in the power of God, to walk in the power of God. Listen, a lot of people say, well, you know, we know someone's faith works because um, they never have any problems. That's just not right. We don't know your faith works until you got a problem. I don't know where we got this attitude that if we just be great little faith people, we'll never have a problem. That would mean that, you know, Brother Hagin, someone came up to him, I want you to pray that the devil will leave me alone. He said, he said well, Lord, kill him. Because the only way you're ever going to get away from the devil. I don't know if he exactly said it like that. That's probably my translation. Because I'm running out of time. Hallelujah. You live here on the earth. One of the worst things you can do is step away from your grace. Run into your grace. Stand firm against the devil. When you resist him, then as you do it, this eternal weight of glory is going to come on you. Then you can be like Paul and you'll get it. Well, when I'm weak, I'm really strong. Not in my strength, I'm strong in the power of God. Amen. Y'all stand. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org, check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.